everybody, this is Michael with BetterClimbingBeta.com. Today, I'm accompanied by our uh, co-host and paying intern, because he's paid paying for some intern. stuff. That's me. Mr. Tyler. And then we have some special guests from the Red River Gorge Climbing Coalition. We're accompanied by Adam. Hello. And Jeremy. Howdy. Perfect. So, today what we're trying to do is bring people up to speed about what the Red River Gorge Climbing Coalition is. Climbers. Yeah, climbers, exactly. Climbers Coalition. Climb, there you yeah, go. Climbers yeah. Coalition. Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition. There, there you go. go. Not, not climbing. No, no. climbers. Oh, it's wow. a coalition Made of climbers. By climbers. Poor Apostrophe climbers. is after the S. <laughs> Dude, this is starting off real well. <laughs> End of the podcast. I've learned everything now. Thanks for coming out. Why? Yeah, why that name? I'm just kidding. We're going to go into detail about that. But the premise of this podcast is to bring people up to speed about what the RRGCC actually stands for, which we just found out, and then why people should be involved with maybe their local coalition and how a coalition at the River Gorge works. So we're going to kind of just let you guys take the wheel and tell us what is the uh, Red River Gorge Climbers well, I, Coalition? I'd be interested first uh, if you guys could kind of start with like how you got into climbing, how long you've been climbing, and why you guys, because you're, you, you're both on the board, so why? what was the desire to go from just a climber into, hey, I want to be a part of this, and then we can kind of go from there, like what you guys do and that kind of thing. So, um, All right, so this is Adam. I uh, started... I don't know. I, I found climbing at Rock Quest actually back in like '98 or '99 when they were still brand new. Sure. And um, it was I was in high school, uh, climbed a little bit, but I had no idea that there was like outdoor climbing anywhere near us. We're in Ohio, um, but I'd been going to the gorge forever to camp and hike, and went to Miguel's back when there was goats out back and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But uh, I was driving down the highway on what uh, no place like home. You can see it from the road. Yeah. I saw a climber up there. And was like, I, I have to do this. I've never seen a climber there. Really? Yeah, I've only seen them on like roadside attraction. I don't know I, why, but no we place were driving down. And I was like, that's amazing. I didn't even know there was climbing here. And I was in college at the time and went to the gym and started figuring out how to get outside and do stuff. Um, I don't really know how I ran into the coalition. Um, probably just climbing at PMRP. Um, and um, I think I knew Yasmin because Yasmin went to my high school. Yasmin was the previous president of the coalition. She's been with them, working with them for a long time. Right. And I think she gave me the lowdown on what the coalition is and, hey, this is the land, our land that you're climbing on and sign a waiver, that kind of stuff. And I was like, that's cool. How can I help? Went to trail days, started helping out with the board a little bit. Um, been on the board for two years now and president just this year. Oh, cool. Sweet. So we got the big cheese. We yeah, got the, the top dog, El Presidente. <laughs> so what about you, Jeremy? So I started climbing a little bit back in college, which was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and I went to Miami University and they had just put in um, a, like a brand new climbing wall. First of its kind, you know, um, wasn't, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't a bunch of uh, plywood just, you know, drilled to the wall. It was, um, you know, had the concrete mix on top of it and all that stuff. Um, so anyway, I, you know, as a freshman at, at Miami, I, I ended up checking out the climbing wall and uh, did a couple of trips with their outdoor pursuit center. Um, and then that's how I got into it. And I, uh, interestingly enough, um, so this was in the mid nineties or mid to late nineties. And uh, one time we took a trip down to the red and we couldn't even find Miguel's. That's how lost in the woods we were. <laughs> that's 
unbelievable. Actually. I know. <laughs> it, by today's like, by they, today's standards, they yeah. They didn't stop on the normal exit. They went uh, somewhere else. And came yeah, back we in. didn't have Google. There was yeah. none of that stuff. You know, it was there was I actually still have it. It's a uh, photocopied map of the red that must have been handed down by like three different people. Um, so skip forward to like 2010 2012 i said hey i should get back into climbing i had been into running and um some other outdoor related stuff and it just gotten a little burned out and um got some of my friends together we hired a guide to teach us how not to kill ourselves and um started climbing outside and then i went to the gym afterwards so, so. did the guy take you to miguel's no um they you took us. Never been to <laughs> no, I've been to Miguel's, but it didn't take us to Miguel's. What is this Miguel's place? Um, no, they took us. He took us to. Uh, it was a guy named Keenan. Um, he was really good because he, what he did was he took us to this route. I think it might have been at um, Chica Benina. Anyway, made us climb it and clean it with just two draws, the two draws on the anchor, which I thought was really cool because it was like you better know how to get yourself down from this, and then well you can figure out whatever fancy way you want to do it yourself later, but. Hmm. Two quick draws. If you can't get yourself down, you shouldn't be out here. So that was my beginnings of climbing in the red. And then, you know, what got you involved with the board? So get, getting me involved in the board, I I think it's important to give back to the things that you appreciate in life. And, um, you know, I realized pretty quick that climbing was something that I wanted to be involved with for a long period of time. And uh, I also think it's it's good to be involved in the community. So the you know the more I got to know people in climbing, the more I said, hey, this is something that's important to me. I should give back, and not just monetarily. And um, the board, some folks on the board reached out when they knew they needed um, some financial help um, in in filling the treasurer's shoes. And that's so my. So you have a financial background. Yeah, that's my and then line Adam, of work. So are you a president of anything else? Nope, I'm a okay. software developer. Okay. So, this so is your <laughs> job makes sense. Jeremy's job makes sense. We're still working out the kings with Adam. Cause well, um, what about a vice president? Have you ever been a vice president? No. A team captain? Yes. Okay, okay then so you're good. You're no. there. That's good. All I Fully to know. qualified. <laughs> That's awesome. So pretty much you just, having your financial background, decided yeah. to go into the treasurer role instead of something, maybe something else, right? Yeah. I, I, I certainly... Um, would do other roles on the board. You know that, that just seemed apropos at the time. That was what the need was. And he's Definitely. been rocking it. Yeah, bringing so, professionalism to the the position that's been awesome. We need more professionals in rock climbing. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not. A now that we got your guys' background, and maybe the listeners know who you guys actually are to some extent, because <laughs> I don't think we set that up very well. Uh, <laughs> what is the the coalition? So, kind of give us a a rundown. So I guess the coalition started as uh, just a bunch of uh, dedicated volunteers that um, wanted to keep the Red River Gorge open and accessible for human-powered recreation. Um, a lot of people don't know the history, but a lot of the crags that we now own or are next to us were owned by oil companies or other private properties. And route development started way before even the people who owned the land knew that it was going on. <laughs> right. um, and when they started finding out or when, when climbers started parking their cars there and it got popular, the oil company was towing cars. Um, I've heard stories of people getting shot at, getting told they were trespassing. Um, but this was all in 94, 95. Um, 
bunch of climbers got together and said, hey, if we own it, they can't close it, they can't block it, they can't tell us we're trespassing because it's our land. And some of it was the challenging relationship that climbers at the at that time had with the Forest Service. So um, we all know the the names of some of those bolters who put routes up in, um, you know, way back when. It's yeah. in great places like military and left flank. And um, that caught the attention of the Forest Service and um, resulted in essentially a ban on bolting, which was the concern was, will that turn into a ban on climbing? Sure. And um, that was really the initial spark that got the coalition to be formed by its original founders. So up to that point, it sounds like a lot of development was going on in the north, northern region that we know today because of the guidebooks and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So at this point, had PMRP been like, people had been climbing on PMRP based on like an honor system maybe, or just had that land been acquired by a, a... I think climbing was so unknown at the time that you basically went to Miguel's and talked to one of the route setters or bolters, whatever you want to call them. Sure. And they said, this is how you get to this new line I put up. And you just word of mouth went and found it. And then there were were guidebooks, but even the guidebooks were like somewhat cryptic because I think they were like on the lowdown of where can you go climb and where are new lines going. So this was largely, largely word of mouth. I mean, so like we're, where I grew up, there was always this really there was this tiny wall in Knoxville, Tennessee, called Cherokee Bluffs, and you only knew it was there if someone told you. And there were a couple bolted lines, but clearly, just like someone found a spot, had a drill, you know, and did it was that kind of how at the red it just started like that's a big wall. Let me put some bolts in it, and then I'll tell my friends, and they'll tell their friends, and that was kind of it. I think so. Yeah. And I mean, it was on private land, it was on forest land, it was on corporate land, it was all over the place. And um, it wasn't a big enough... State park land, even. Yeah, it wasn't a big enough issue when it first started that sure. you were button heads, but it all kind of came to a head, I think, in, in 95, 96, yeah. where yeah. a bunch of uh, the founders but, of the coalition got together and said, we got to do something about this. But the real spark was the conflict with the Forest with Service. With the Forest yeah. Service yeah. and all I that. I think Shannon Stewart-Smith and John Ronow really were the driving force on trying sure. to create a organized group of climbers to represent their interest and have a conversation with the Forest Service about what does climbing mean. Okay. Yeah. So, but it, it was a product of like, there's now we are getting negative backlash for rock climbing. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. of, the, yeah, you're right. The, the idea of owning property was not on the radar at that point in time. It was how do we create a voice for rock climbers in Dana Boone National Forest? Oh, okay. So you in the Red River Gorge area. You didn't start like, let's form an organization so we can buy out this property. It was more no. like an advocacy Absolutely. kind yeah. of group for yeah. rock climbers. Hey, Absolutely. we do kind of know what we're doing, we can coexist mutually and, and not have to butt heads the whole time yeah okay is so, that is that how like most coalitions work do they work mostly with yeah, absolutely lands? i think that's that's that is um that's very very accurate most climbing coalitions as far as i'm aware are interacting with other landowners in it in a lot of cases it's the u.s government because of the u.s forest service has a lot of land that has good climbing on it um, or, or it could be the national park service or it could be private landowners so how did you go from, hey, we just want to defend maybe or at least be, set up a communal relationship between climbers and other people? How did you go from that to, 
um, cause you even said it beforehand. Uh, um, it's pretty unique that you guys own property. Yeah. Own the land. Yeah. Well, that's what Adam was getting to with, um, the area where the mother load is, where the PMRP is the Pentagrass Murray recreational preserve. That whole area, um, is, was previously, um, owned by private, pri- only privately owned by individuals. And, um, they had, they had, sold off or leased the mineral rights so oil companies had Mm. access to that land and you know the primary driver of that land was hey get this oil out so that profits can be had um when climbers were in there the private landowners knew what was going on but didn't really object however the oil company caused problems they were towing cars they were you know having there there were conflicts and that private landowner the 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 murray family um saw what climbing was and uh, made an offer to the members of the coalition at the time uh, to say, hey, is there some way we can work out a deal to sell you this land so that um, some of these problems go away and this is available for climbers? So to sell the access, right? You sell the land. The land itself. The land itself. So the oil company still has a presence there, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they still have mineral rights to the land. They were Um, able to differentiate between those two things. Yeah. In this part of Kentucky, the majority of the land has had mineral rights separated from land rights a long time ago. Okay. Uh, logging is another one, but yeah, um, yeah they, they, that was something, I don't know when it started, but they were basically, you have a deed, you own land, you can sell the mineral rights, you can sell the logging rights, but you still own the land. So oh, yeah. your house can still be there. Oh, okay. These, so these you, things could have so separated. these people in theory can sell potentially three things, the land itself, the, but if if you know the oil companies bought up the mineral rights and then they sell the land, the oil company still keeps the rights. Well, yeah, well, it, the way it originally worked was the the person selling the property would probably want to retain the mineral rights and sell the property. Right. Um, so the oil company's involvement came many, 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 many sure. years later, after probably a couple, maybe another generation or two, um, okay. passed on. But um, so it's it started kind of contentious between the oil companies and climbers, but it's been 18 years now, um, and and it's a lot better, um, and that's something that climbers on our property need to be aware of is that they're not the bad guys anymore and leave their their oil derricks alone, and if you see their equipment coming through, give them room. Um, if we work with them, they work with us. Um, we've even been talking to them about opening up some some areas that are bolted lines that everybody I'm sure is aware of, but they're closed right now because of some uh, property boundary issues, but um, they're actually being receptive to that. So we need to give them the respect that they need with their oil equipment. Um, I don't think it's been a problem, but we're talking about new climbers going out there. If you see a oil truck, don't touch it, give them right away and don't mess with their stuff. Yeah. I mean, the history was, you're right. It was contentious because they were towing cars after we had bought the Pendergrass Murray Recreational Preserve. Oh, okay. And um, we actually took them to court and got a, a restraining order against one of the oil companies that was involved in that. Um, so it, it, it was that contentious back then. Sure. And obviously, it's gone 180. Right. I mean, now it's, a, again, a kind of almost a mutually beneficial. I don't, don't want to yeah, like, make it that strong. I mean, okay. I think they're not a po- – our discussions with them have been um, – and I have not been directly involved, but are um, they're not against it, but they got to be very concerned about the liability aspect. Sure. 
So more leave us alone, we'll leave you alone kind of thing? Yeah. Yep. Cool. And you. so what now lands do you guys currently own as part of – so if I go to the red, because, you know, obviously, you know, Muir Valley's privately owned and mm. there's like Torrent Falls privately owned. What parts do you guys specifically are under your okay. wing? Um, so if you go down the load hill, everybody's aware of the load hill. Once you get down into the valley, that's the start of our property. And we own okay. the val- valley floor going back to basically to where PMRP, you branch off and you go up that crazy hill with the mm-hmm. road and then down into PMRP parking lot, okay. what used to be PMRP parking lot, um, and then to Flat Holler. And then if you were to continue that road and go around, it goes out to, what's the? Coal Bank. Coal Bank. Okay. We own Coal Bank and back there. And then um, Pendergrass. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Miller Fork. Yeah, I was going to say, you guys. Miller Fork is on the other thing. side of the highway. Um, so it's not connected to the other parcels, but it's a it's whole other area. Yeah. Sweet. Um, a lot of people don't know Baldrock Fork is Chocolate Factory, the mother load, um, that, that valley floor that's there that leads up to. And then uh, Bear's Den and the unload, the unload and Velo. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all our land. And then anything on PMRP like the Shire or. Um, so they're all separated mm-hmm. by the hollows, right? So you just have like Sore Bank Hollow, Coal Bank Hollow. So yeah, PMRP just for people who are listening is just like a large mass of land, and then they're broken up into these hollows. That is what we actually climb on. So you guys own that. I mean, when I say you guys, the climbers, climbers, right? yeah, you, you guys, guys, all of us, yeah. you guys. Yeah. If, if you're yeah. donating your own, you own it. Yeah. So that's something to keep in consideration because I, 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 I want to get back on track on what is the coalition. So just like. If you had one sentence and you had to tell a new new rock climber or someone new to the Red River Gorge, what would you tell them the coalition is? What's your elevator pitch? Well, we have a, a mission statement. Being That's good. A, a corporation. We should get a mission um, statement. Better Climbing Beta mission uh, to sound as not dumb as we really are. All right, take it away, Adam. <laughs> As a nonprofit organization, our mission is securing and protecting open public access to rock climbing in the Red River Gorge area of Kentucky and promoting conservation of the environment of the lands where we climb. So that's... Yeah, I mean, that's exactly it. It's open access, so it doesn't mean we have to own it. Mm-hmm. You know, it would be better if we didn't own it because then there's less that's cost, yeah. right? Yeah. But if we need to, owning it might be part of it. And we want to make sure that we're taking care of the land, which is something I'm sure we'll get into in this is with how much rock climbing has exploded in the last few years um there's a there's a big difference between preservation and conservation absolutely and uh so we want to conserve these lands mm -hmm. and when you talk about access it's like you guys are working with access in the north where with the the forest service absolutely and that's land that isn't owned by the coalition so Mm -hmm. that's good to know so how does somebody get involved in uh, helping out the coalition and what does helping out the coalition look like? Is that wear a bunch of different hats probably? Um, first is monetarily. Go to our website. Um, treat treat the red, uh, a trip to our land like a trip to the gym. You'd pay $15 at Rock Quest for Day a day. Pass, yeah. Well, give us 10 bucks, five bucks. Um, I think uh, at uh, Mirror Valley, you pay 10 bucks a car. For right? a car to park there. Well, yeah. We don't charge anything for parking on our land. So everything that we get for our budget is donated. Um, so that's the first way you can help out. Maybe you're from far away and you can't get here as much as you want to do a trail day or uh, help out on the board or whatever. So how do I donate? What, where do I go to donate? RRGCC.org. Okay. So, um, and then do you guys take like PayPal? You take 
All of it. Credit card. It's uh, through the network for good. And... Yeah, we're using a third-party vendor okay. to facilitate But there's not event. like a Dropbox like at Mere Valley where if I got no, a $10 bill, no, I no. Drop Everything's it. online at this we point. We tried okay. that, and uh, they got robbed. So. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I imagine so. <laughs> they uh, when, when I got my Jeep stuck, one of the locals was like, you better not leave that here because it won't. It won't be here in the morning. Yeah. So I imagine anything that looks like it might hold anything doesn't stay very long. So we talked money. So how's another way someone could um, So we have the trail day. I think Curtis holds a trail day every month. Yeah. Um, so come out to a trail day. Um, help clean up a trail, clean up a crag. Um, and, and short of that, come out to Rocktoberfest. Come out to Johnny and Alex trail day, which is our biggest trail day of the year. It's a great time. We have a party afterwards. Or just be a good steward of our land. Everybody who climbs there can leave it better than when they got there. Pick up a cigarette butt, pick up a cliff bar wrapper or a, a pop can or whatever. Um, and educate your fellow climbers when they're doing something silly. If they're top roping through the chains, tell them, hey, that's not sure. cool. You're wearing the chains. Um, all of that helps. You got to write that down. <laughs> <laughs> now, you so the Johnny and Alex trail day is like one of the larger ones. I know this past one you had opened up a new officially opened up Camelot. Yeah. Um, and I know, because I had bumped into Kurt and Audrey. Mm-hmm. Um, while Kurt, the, Curtis is the land manager. Right, you know, sorry, yeah. Directors. Um, and they were doing, beyond just cleaning up the crag, they were specifically setting things in place to help with the long-term erosion and all that other stuff. So, I mean, you guys are, beyond just cleaning it, like making sure, as you said, Jeremy, to these some of these trail days go to help facilitate a longer lasting less impactful kind of um environment at these places yeah and that's um with with miller fork it's it's been cool because we we, we've been doing this for long enough that we kind of know one certain routes are going to get loved to death and then how can we shore up that belay base how can we shore up the the trails how can we build the trails so they're sustainable a lot of bolters and i'm not trying to point a finger but right. they, they have a lot of gear they carry up to the crag to start developing and they usually pick the most direct route and it's usually straight uphill well if you talk to trail builders that's like the worst way to build a trail you need a meandering thing that will um, drain that doesn't wear down certain areas um, so so with Camelot specifically what we did was we knew that there was routes back there we knew it was going to be a good crag and we knew that it was going to be a moderate crag which gets more traffic in the red sure um we we talked to the 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 bolters uh, i think all of them were on board and said can we keep this kind of hush hush until we can get a sustainable belay bases trail uh everything and and i think we did it i think curtis and audrey did awesome um yeah so uh, was it just those two that kind of pioneered that other than like maybe the developers yeah i would give um Josephine stirs some credit too. Yeah, yeah. She was the president at the time when mm-hmm. when that area was. But there was no like to Camelot uncover. Grand Opening Trail Day. No, no, it was done over a series of many trail days. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show that like two people can have a huge impact, or three people, or whoever. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously they were bringing groups to there to okay. build those trails, um, and, and the you know the belay bases and set all that stuff up. So they weren't doing it themselves. Sure. Um, now, Audrey had mentioned, because we bumped into her, we took some of the competitive team to Camelot right before it opened, um, and she had mentioned that you guys will even host like specific trail days for groups if you if they want to come in. Absolutely. And, and we uh, actually just did that with a AmeriCorps, or they, they just did that with an AmeriCorps group last mm-hmm, weekend. Mm-hmm. But yeah, um, obviously, the more experience you have, the better. 
but um, sure. we're, we have work out Video, there. For... The opposite is also true. We got an email just yesterday from a, a woman who said, I'm going to be in the red for a, a week, and I want to get involved in a trail day. What do you have going on? And Curtis replied, hey, we've got one this weekend, so she's going to jump in. Yeah, Sweet. So trail days and, and financial. Yeah. One other thing on the financial side of things, if you climb a lot, you might say, geez, if I paid 10 bucks every single time I climbed, that might be cost prohibitive. And it would be. Um, and that's where you need to go into the membership mind space where you sort of say, hey, I, instead of paying 10 or $15 a time you go to the gym, you say, I have a membership and it's X dollars a month. Sure. So we've got the ability to do a recurring donation. Oh, and I think the more people who are willing to commit to that, the better off the coalition will be because we won't have to focus so much on scrambling around to raise funds because we'll have a steady stream of funds to support the land, to support the next opportunity. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So while we're on the, the, the money side of things, which is probably like the nastiest version of planning, right? (laughs) Um, So you say like we have to constantly raise this money and raising that money is because you, you guys purchase a land, but again, you're not getting so much donations that you can purchase the land outright. No. So can you no, talk a little bit no. about how you guys go about actually acquiring land um, monetarily? I think the hi- the history was there was climbing on land. The land was threatened. We acquired it, and that's what ha- that's kind of the situation with Pendergrass Murray. Um, Miller Fork was a different opportunity. There was very few number of routes on the property, and the um, through connections in the local community, people became aware that this property might be available for sale, and this was almost a blank slate, let's call it. Sure. Completely different approach. Um, and then then we're back to sort of the, the, where we started with Bald Rock, where tons of existing routes, the land that abuts all of those routes um, was going up for sale, and if we didn't come in and make that happen, we could risk losing access to all of those Right, amazing routes—the the ones that people come from Europe and around the world to come uh, climb on. Um, so the big fundraising that we have to do is to make the payments on the mortgages that we've um, put in place to to pay, to pay off those properties, and we have successfully paid off the PMRP and Miller Fork. Um, Thank you, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was a huge deal. Miller Fork just happened not too long ago, right? Yeah, yeah October Fest 2017 yeah. was yeah. when we handed over the Yeah. I remember seeing the, the check. check. That was, yeah. Yeah, that was awesome. That was such big a cool cardboard check. And that that check went to the access fund. So yeah. So um, that's what my, my question was like how do you got you said that you just acquired the land but it's like yeah, well in the in all of the well, you go to the Bank of Kentucky or Again, something? I wasn't I wasn't I was that the, there was a Bank of Kentucky for a while. I think they sold to BB&T. But anyway, um <laughs> In the early days, and I wasn't around for this, so I may not get this 100% correct, but um, climbers came up with the cash to make the initial down payment. And after we had we struggled to raise the funds to make the payments to the Murray family, um, the access fund stepped in and refinanced essentially that debt oh, wow. obligation for us. And we then owed the obligation to the access fund, which gave who gave us very favorable terms. Not that the Murray family didn't. I, I sure. They, they did. Um, that became the model um, for the additional land acquisitions. And the and access Not just fund. for us, but basic right. nationally. That's yeah. what the access... They used us as like a... Uh, Flagship. Yeah. They, they use our model for all the other LTOs out there that are acquiring land or working with 
for so a service have it in their owners. budget they they have this concept of be ready with cash for a climbing coalition that needs to save an area um, cool so because i mean a lot of people i know that are, are i guess member donators whatever you want to say to both but it's almost so you're saying like equally important yeah sure support the coalition but um like the access fund is is pretty crucial to access to climbing in america absolutely yeah, yeah i would i would liken the access fund to, the, to to be sort of the national representation for climbing and you know they have lobbyists um who are just climbers they're not they're not those nasty lobbyists that right, are thinking right. of when like I said the, that. We like these lobbyists. We have climbers that go to the that go to the Capitol because of the access fund and meet with congressmen and, and wow. that sort of thing. So I mean that's that's their where they're really successful. Sweet. So you you talked about that's how you guys get some of the the revenue to actually get the mortgages well, that's where we get the that's where we borrow from they've sure been that's the bank. your bank to they've, some they've extent. been the bank the access okay. has been the bank um and legal counsel and oh yeah they've been huge with information and, and questions about do they help insurance with contract negotiation and, or uh, they will um it depends on who we're talking to and what but they, they've been open to uh, they're they're awesome they're an amazing resource for for we've had some great um board members and other volunteers who are attorneys that have assisted us sure. very specifically with those, those yeah. needs. So. so we need to talk to the access fund. So yeah, those definitely. Guys are, well, those are you top know, notch people. I uh, started, I, I finally went and now I'm a year, whatever member for this year. And what was funny is they also try hard to give their members benefits as well. I mean, they really take care of their people um, and I mean, all the literature they sent me and they do the newsletters and stuff. I mean, they're a very active ally for not just climbers, but the lovers of outdoors in general. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, wait. So what kind of, if I'm like a reoccurring donator of the coalition, am I going to get 10% off on a Jeep? Or like, what's what's my incentive? Yeah, come on, guys. We, Your um, incentive is good rock climbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it's not too far away, too, which is pretty nice. <laughs> so one thing I, and I'm sure people wholly want to hear this that don't know this already, like, you you're, you guys pay the bolters to put that their bolts in the walls, right? No, not at all. Okay. So no. I think that's a really big misconception that people unmackly uh, combine those two things together. So, so on our property, bolts are abandoned gear. Cool. Um, it, it is up to the climber. So I can take them out for if, you know. Just <laughs> tell your friends you took them out and we'll see how that goes. <laughs> make sure make sure you post it on Facebook and tell everybody. Everyone. I'll tag some certain people in it so they no, know. Please, please don't take bolts out. No. Yeah. But um, it's up to each individual climber to assess the safety of every every piece of fixed abandoned gear. And that's so good. you should check bolts. You should check and it really everything. It, it stems from liability. Uh, in Kentucky... The, there's something called the recreational use statute that essentially if you read the Kentucky code, oh, if you wait. allow people onto your property for the purposes of recreating, which could be hunting, fishing, or rock climbing, uh, and you don't charge access, you have no duty to make sure that they stay safe. Um, okay. And that's what you need. I mean, rock climbing is a dangerous sport. There's no way that somebody is... Mm -hmm. Um, with all the, the number of visitors that we go on that go onto our properties, there isn't going to be some sort of incident. So, from a liability perspective, that protects us um, as an organization, um, and that's part of the reason we've taken the stance with with the bolts being and the gear being 
abandoned deer because well, you guys it's can. impractical for us to mm-hmm. provide a guarantee of safety. Right. And if you took it under yourselves as an organization to maintain it. As soon as you start, you know, it's the old, the old sort of joke that I'm not going to shovel the driveway because, or the sidewalk because if I do and somebody slips, I made, an effort to, I made an effort to make mm-hmm. it safe, but I didn't really make it safe. So and you, now I can get sued. you maintain the land, you keep it open. I mean, it's like Muir Valley doesn't officially, ch- that $10 fee is for parking, not for, not for access. Yep. So that legal, I mean. So what are you guys charging for parking is my question. No, <laughs> that's, that's not on the radar. But, but so like you said, you're not in charge of the gear. The bolters, I mean, a lot of times it's their own money, yep. their own maintenance. Yep. So part of so the, thank a bolter next time. Thank you a meet bolter, yeah. but also, I mean, because you know we had a we did our take it outside episode. We mentioned hey, periodically if you have a couple extra quick links or whatever, we actually got a response like if you are gonna come and help maintain it, make sure it's stainless steel and oh, don't absolutely. just bring you know cheap. Yeah, no swing set quick links or anything like that. You, you sure? Need, yeah, that's what I've always been doing. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that that brings up uh, another point that there are other organizations in the Red River Gorge area that need support, and um, Red River Gorge Fixed Gear Initiative is one of them. Yeah, it's some folks who've stepped up to say, since the coalition is not going to maintain the bolts, we're going to take an active role in that, and we really appreciate them for what they're doing. So, do they have any liability if that's the case? I think they should be guests on your show at some point in time. Yeah, well, I think you should yeah, talk yeah, to Ian and we, We've exchanged some emails. So some emails, yeah. We'll see what happens. I, I, but I do want to say that we're very appreciative of um, they're awesome. what they're doing. The yeah. work that they do. I mean, your, your new routes that are getting put up, they um, they provide uh, subsidized bolts for people who um, really? work with them, who um, know what they're doing. So they kind of, uh, not police that, but they check it out. Um, and then they also run the... Uh, what is it? The Rebolt, Rebolt the Red. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they have a, a website out there called badbolts.com where if you pass a bad bolt, a spinner, it's rusty, it's gross, or the anchors look bad, you go report it and um, go it they'll go check it out. They'll rebolt huh. it, they'll um, fix it, do whatever. Um, they're awesome. They well, definitely need some help too. Red River climbers, I think, get spoiled. We, we forget, like, most places don't just have such a high concentration of perma drawed and. You know, it, even if it's just the chains, where because the red, you guys just or someone just made an announcement that you're switching a couple of the new ones have some heavier duty the, the, um, anchors that you don't even necessarily mus- have to. Hooks. Yeah, they're yeah. they're Climtech's version of the mussy hook, and you don't have to go but, off belay anymore. You and again, can, that's not us, I mean, right? That's, right. That's, that's that's the local community uh, and the fixed gear initiative taking that um, in, initiative. Right, but to kind of <laughs> cap on this before we move before we move on, I mean, essentially, like what we're kind of getting at is there are multiple organizations now that like the things you enjoy about the red a aren't accidental or coincidental. I mean, they are very intentionally done. They do cost money mm-hmm. and, or, and or time. And so, I mean, at the end of the day, when you start to factor in all this other stuff, throw $10 here and there, if you can, yeah. or the membership, if, if you're a heavy trafficker, but just don't, don't take for granted the luxuries yeah. of Red River Gorge because those don't exist. As I mentioned before we started this, where I grew up climbing Obed, there is a Southeast Climbers Coalition, but that's a much broader area. They can't specialize, um, and you guys are unique in that you own the land, but we kind of, what local climbers here take as like, oh, this is just how climbing outside is. Actually, no, that's a pretty unique Red River thing, and it comes at a cost. Mm-hmm. 
So, awesome. So, one thing I want to talk about is what is your guys' biggest fundraising event? I know you guys talked about you want reoccurring donations, and I understand that, but how like how do you guys actually manage to pay off these these loans? So, the biggest thing that we have is Rocktoberfest. And Rocktoberfest is a three-day climbers festival. It's at Land of Arches Campground. Um, we have apparel sponsors, gear sponsors, uh, games. They set up booths with um, just all, some of the new gear. I think they, they, they have a rope um, braiding machine that they bring out so you can see how, how climbing ropes are made. Hmm. Um, we, we have a feature film every year uh, on Friday night. Uh, last year it was the No Man's Land Film, film Festival, which was awesome. Um, Saturday, Black Diamond puts on a climbing competition. Um, you can win some great gear with that um, or just go out and watch climbers. It's cool to watch them run around and try to get all their climbs in in time. Um, the clip and go comp clip and go comp nice. yeah you get a point for every bolt um, this year it'll be at a PMRP so they're switching it up a little nice. bit but um, all but, the chops broke off at Miller Fork we don't need to go back there <laughs> I guess I, I'm not sure I think um, BD decided they wanted to have it there so um, you Miller Fork haters I love Miller <laughs> there might Fork. not be a ton of five star routes there are some they are but there's me. a lot of good stuff there I like Miller Fork because it still strokes my ego yeah. Cause like nothing's been like sandbagged or like downgraded yet really so um, a lot of effort goes into putting on Rocktoberfest we'll probably have a hundred people volunteer um, and it's a lot of work for the board um, and it is a big fundraiser I mean that's how we write the mortgage payment each year um, so it's it's what's made it possible for us to uh, continue yeah yeah um, because you guys don't get paid, right? It's like no, this no. is all volunteer for you yeah. guys. We have one paid employee, and that's mm-hmm. the executive director. And Ashley uh, does a great job, um, but she's not making bank off of us either. No. All of our no, money I doubt it, yeah. goes into she's our land. She's doing this altruistically. This yeah. is not sure. Sweet. So, I mean, so we've got obviously lots of events. I know the, like the vendors are always there. You can go and talk them up. There's lots of auctioning and all that other kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, we have a, a silent auction with some great gear. Um, we're, we're selling our own gear. I was, I had this, so um, there's a there's a couple that climbs at RockQuest that loves, loves, loves climbing and the community, and they came back from Rocktoberfest last year. Um, and uh, he had bid on some kind of cam or something. And he won it, and he felt so bad because he didn't realize at first, like all of this money goes straight to the coalition. He thought, mm-hmm. I don't know, like the people, whatever. And so he donated, he like won and he got a great deal on the cam, but he was like, he came back and said, like, I felt, Oh, I didn't realize that it was, go- I would have put a lot more money in if I knew it was, I'm like, Hey, you could still give the money. Yeah, he's it's okay. To make up the difference. Like, it's perfectly acceptable. <laughs> but that was always like a really funny story for me. Like, you got a great deal that would be me like sweet i got i paid half the cost of this cam and won it versus oh he would have paid twice the cost of the cam if it meant it's going to the right stuff so any money that gets raised from Rocktoberfest goes straight to what you guys your your roads your parking lots your trails um i mean the biggest part is paying off the mortgage and mortgage payments sure, yeah. definitely I, I think you that made me think of something though that we really need to make a shout out to our sponsors or has been oh, headline huge. outdoor resources been the headline sponsor for um for Oktoberfest for several years. years bd petzl have been black diamond petzl both have been huge and um so 
we asked those sponsors to make contributions to make this event happen and that's more than half of the revenue from the event is the sponsorship so jeez so yeah. they're not just giving you some free stuff to auction off. They are. No, they're making cash contributions and yep. and equipment, and, and they're sending reps. So if you choose to, which I, uh, I think there's some great clinics this year. You'll, I think registration is going to be out here in a few days. They send their athletes, so their their okay. athletes are there on their on the behalf of those companies to lead the clinics, to be at the booths, to make a presence. Um, so, uh, and you know, a couple other shout-outs. Trango was big in getting Bald Rock uh, purchase going. They, they donated $10,000 worth of gear um, for the, the fundraising event that we did for that. Um, so, Rocktoberfest happens because of the sponsors, too. Yeah. They're, and and they're whenever awesome. we purchase from the sponsors, we're some way helping the coalition in some regard, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean, for me personally, I'm... I spend my money wisely, so I like knowing that. Except I, when pizza's involved. That's pizza or a beer. <laughs> but yeah. that's not. That's a different story. Or maybe even like cabins when I'm climbing abroad. But uh, no, it's just it's good to know that if I go out and I purchase some black diamond gear, I am inadvertently helping the coalition hey, out. Are you guys familiar with the Conservation Alliance? That sounds really familiar. I have a little bit, but yeah, go ahead and. So, um, outdoor industry companies. Uh, have formed a nonprofit called the Conservation Alliance. They all contribute to, well, you know, their members contribute to a fund that then gets redistributed to a variety of organizations related to, you know, enjoying the environment, whether it's, you know, fishing, climbing, bicycling. And we've received several grants from the Conservation Alliance. The last one was a $40,000 matching Good grant, night. which we uh, met last year. Um, so, I guess if you're thinking about where should I spend my money, which which uh, um, product companies, if they're part of the Conservation Alliance, you know they're giving back. Is that something like if I were to go yeah. onto their website, they would yeah. say like, I believe hey, it's conservationalliance.org. Oh, and they concert, so and they have a list of all of the yeah. vendors. Yeah, so. and you can also see what the grants, <laughs> the past grants have been. So you can go look up the, the two grants that we've received from the Conservation Alliance over the years, and where else they've. So inadvertently, as I think you were kind of getting at, if you are buying climbing gear and that kind of stuff you can easily find like these companies that support all of these accesses like that's another way because obviously some of us are super poor and you know am i going to buy a new pair of shoes or am i going to give that money to whatever you can at the very least start to pick and choose like well this company also financially supports the area that i'm climbing at yep. so i can at the very least support that and ergo end up supporting, supporting well, you climb on. yeah yeah i mean that's why that's why our sponsors are here they want to support climbing they want to um, yeah so would you say um you know if you could put a percentage on it is how much of paying off the mortgage is yielded from the sponsors and their contributions compared to like the consumer like myself or tyler um for rock rocktoberfest last year i think we I'm going to use very round numbers. Well, let's say that the, the total revenue was 65000 or something like that, um, gross. And mm -hmm. sponsors were, uh, in cash alone, were close to seventeen, eighteen thousand. plus they donated a lot of gear that we then mm -hmm. raffled off and sure. made several thousand dollars with. And then we had tickets. Yeah. And, and the tickets were probably the other half. So I, I said the sponsors were more than half. Maybe it's 50-50 if you had really evened it all out. Sure. Um, but we, we want that to be 
Right, like, and then it cost us twenty two thousand or so to put the event on. Sure. So the the forty that we made went to meeting the Conservation Alliance grant and writing. We wrote an eighty thousand dollar check back to the Access Fund last year. Right. Yeah. So again, nobody's making Buku dollars. It's no, all going no. straight back into mm-hmm. facilitating yeah. Yeah. what you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. We've got a little bit set aside, you know. So, ironically, the big money makers are Oktoberfest, but you know, what if huge storm rolls in that weekend and nobody wants to show up? I would understand why they wouldn't, and mm-hmm. that would be a problem monetarily. So we've got a little bit of buffer for like one of those, but it's important that we make that event happen. Exactly. So. Other than like the comps and so, how long has Rocktoberfest been a thing? This is the twenty second Rocktoberfest. Is it really twenty second? Jeez, I, I think I saw. That's a... yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sure there's other Rocktoberfests out there. Like if you could go to like a Metallica concert. Rocktoberfest. So I don't know who came up with Rocktoberfest, <laughs> but you you might not be wrong personally, just because. But the rock climbing aspect of that. Um, you guys, I, I think in some form, but maybe not in, in the big festival that it sure. is. Sure, yeah. Now, do you guys have an... Is there any analytics done on, like, how much foot traffic the red gets? I mean, yeah. I, if you've never been here, you probably don't realize yeah. it, but my God, there is so, so many people. So, 7,500 unique climbers visit each year, and that's a very conservative unique. estimate. So, unique. not re- not the people like Michael over here that are down every weekend. No, but, this is new people. Um, they, they did a traffic counter, um, I think it was two or three years ago. Wow. And uh, I think they did the rough estimate of two people per car. But oh, wow. you know that's, that's not the case. Yeah. 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 So um, that was out of that. Um, it's probably three or four people And that's like three-year-old data, correct? Yeah. So exactly. it's got to be way higher. Than oh, that. it's just getting... It's probably 15,000. I wouldn't be surprised knows. if it's double that. Yeah. Um, we did it... Uh, well, uh, we helped with somebody else doing a economic impact study. Mm-hmm. Um, for the area, and um, I have the numbers here. I just have to find them. Um, oh, was it next page? Do you remember how much it, it was in? Yeah, I mean, I think that conceptually, the belief is that rock climbers are probably bringing three million dollars a year to the area when you look at spending down there for mm-hmm. um, gas, so local gas, food, um, cabins, all that sort of stuff. So it's a real a real impact to the local economy. Um, and, and the relationship with with um, the locals has improved a lot too. I mean, you got to think about it. We're driving, a lot of us are driving from big cities to a rural, rural area sure. to go have fun. And um, a, a while ago, that I think was a stress point. Um, and I think now that you know, there's legitimate evidence and the locals see it that there's an economic impact, a valuable economic impact to the local economy to have this recreation happening. They're supportive of it. Yeah, And definitely. that wasn't always the way it was. Because I know, like, that area of Kentucky, some of the poorest parts of Kentucky, if not even close to... I think in the country. In the country, yeah. yeah. So we talked, we talked about what the coalition is. We talked about... Um, how do you guys go ahead and get money to support the the big concept of the coalition? Mm-hmm. So at first it was our access is going to be taken from us. We need to purchase this land. You said you paid off the PMRP. You paid off Miller Ford. Mm-hmm. Have we paid off Ball Rock or nope? Um, we've paid eighty thousand out of the um, 
We'll say ninety thousand because I think we put ten down out of the two thirty-five. I think that cost us. Okay. So we got a ways to go. So what is the, what is the long plan? I'm going to add one other thing. This is part of the long plan. Um, Yasmin, our previous uh, president, uh, worked with the Access Fund to put in place uh, and a conservation easement, and it's on all of our property. Um, so. What that means is, if for some reason the coalition disappeared, you know, we do get sued and and we lose the land. Um, the the access fund has this conservation easement over the land that says it must remain open to rock climbing. Wow! So even if there's a different owner of the land for some reason in the future, the access fund has a conservation easement that will keep it open for rock climbing. So someone buys it, they can't be like, screw it, no climbing anymore. Nope. Correct. It, it follows the life of the land um, forever, yeah. basically. Climbing wow. will be open on our property forever. And that was that's, huge. That's massive. Yeah. It, it, it costs mean. us a little, yeah, little money. Sure. And yeah, but 100% worth it. it off. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the model for how do you preserve land indefinitely in the United States. So anyway. no Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, Donald Trump uses this technique to that was a huge thing in utah very recently where they're trying to sell off whatever land and then you know like outdoor retailer was like well fine we're leave i mean but at that point that was all they could do was say well we're not gonna help out anymore if you're gonna pull this crap but in this instance i mean we have a a legal legally binding document basically saying like regardless of what happens this land stays open for the people that want to enjoy it yep we just did a um a survey of where the climbing community wants to see us go and we're going to analyze that and I think that'll set our our direction but looking at the preliminary results I think our anticipation or my anticipate seeing things along the lines of preserving the land we've got making sure that we take care of the roads that we own because some of them we don't um, taking care of the trails keeping the the um, you know, the, the, the conservation mindset in place but also being ready for the next acquisition. Uh, we're not in a position to be able to fork over cash right now, but there are areas in the red where people climb and enjoy right now that are not owned by an organization or an individual who can sustain it forever. Sure. And we might have to step in. And I think alternatively, we're also saying, is there another area like a Miller Fork that's out there um, where it's, I don't wanna say virgin land, but it's- it Relatively have a lot. untouched. Yeah. Or, yeah. yeah. So can, and, the third part is working with the Forest Service, and we're really close to, to making some really good progress with them. I think that's that's another success story of the organization through many, many years and multiple board of director members is that the relationship with the Forest Service was antagonistic, and now it's moving more towards a partnership. And that's what, what I was going to try and tap on was just like if there's any partial of land that probably has a, a large yielding of rock climbing, it's got to be the the national forest and just a lot of that is those bolts are in the wall and they're probably not going to come out but to go out and put up new routes is going to be difficult so isn't possible until we get people yeah building and fostering that relationship so that's that's important for climbers in the red is that they need to know where they are if you're on forest service land don't go put in a new route and bolt lines mm -hmm. you're just making us look bad um we're, we're working hard with them to present a responsible front that climbers care about the land that we climb on we're going to help them with trail days we're going to help them 
um, locate some some of the areas that might possibly be opened up for climbing. Um, but so letting climbers onto the land will be beneficial, not just a nuisance that you tolerate, but yeah. we can make things better. So, so we're working with them to one um, climber climber trails and uh, Daniel Boone are not blessed trails; they're not official trails. Um, so we're working with them to get some of the climber trails to be recognized as user trails, but they need some cleanup. So we will probably have a trail day or several in the next um, probably few years where we go into the, uh, not on our land, but on their land and go and clean up trails. Um, also, they're kind of limited on where they are allowed to let us open a new crag because there are federal laws that protect yeah. bats, um, endangered species of plants, flora, fauna. Um, and then uh, archaeological um, resources, like uh, the, the the couple of crags up there that you see the, the chicken wire fence around, because yeah. somebody found a, a military wall. Yeah, um, they 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 can open that up. It's federal law. They have to leave it closed. Mm -hmm. But if we can find the an area that has good climbs and it meets the trifecta of not having archaeological stuff. Uh, not having endangered species and not having bat population, and all three of those require a study. Um, so, just so you know, this is, will take time. But if we can meet that trifecta, then possibly we're but working with them. We could you open guys up. Need monetary gains to make that possible. Yeah, all of those studies are expensive, um, and and it may very well come out of our or some. Uh, it's coming matching, from somewhere. Yeah, access fund. You guys somewhere. Let's just put it this way: the Forest Service doesn't currently have that in their budget. Yeah, so it's to go. We do have those to come studies. up with it, so yeah. or or um, you know, there's a grant. Folks out there, in maybe. the government need to redistribute the right which funds. Yeah, and that's sure. a, that's a hot topic right now. The Forest Service is spending the ma vast majority of their budget on forest fires out west. Yeah, so they don't have money for rangers or trails or any of the stuff that we would need to go and look at new climbing areas in any of these studies um and they keep getting their budgets cut so they're trying to fight bigger hot, hotter forest fires mm -hmm. on less money but then also maintain all of the national land that they have so right call your representative and tell them yeah. to give the forest service some love totally so we we talked a little bit about the coalition owns certain parcels of land and that access has been secured as far as we're concerned for the rest of our lives mm -hmm. now we did also talk about some lands that are privately owned that maybe the coalition might be involved with later down the road but for a, a new climber or somebody who doesn't necessarily realize that that land is privately owned and not owned by the coalition because i mean i'm sure i was very naive when i first started climbing i still am and but still <laughs> what are some things that i could do at the crag that would risk access so kind of the inverse operation so what are some things i could do that simply just risk uh, access getting hurt <laughs> don't get hurt yeah and <laughs> nice. be, be, be safe yeah. um and if you see other people being unsafe say something so spray i mean them down. i think no i wouldn't spray them down but th there's a fine line there and i think you guys touched on it on your sure. um, podcast but if you see somebody who's obviously doing something that could get them hurt or killed say something mm -hmm. you don't have to be a jerk about it but you could say something and if they want to if they want to be a jerk about it then you did the best you could but sure um like, like i mentioned leave it better than when you found it so help clean it up um don't bring boom boxes and be obnoxious um just be respectful of the land of the people around you of our neighbors i mean we're neighbors down there we own land and and 
I don't know how many neighbors we have, but you have to be respectful. Don't block roads. Don't go speeding through down to the mother load hill and, and throw up dust on that guy's house who's already covered in dust because we all drive through there all the time. That whole do unto others kind of thing, the golden rule. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, reverse the shoes and imagine you own some land. It's got some great climbing. You're okay with some climbers being on the land, but then... People, blows start, up people and start it's cussing. People are parking in your driveway. People are doing donuts in the gravel. The things that do happen if you start to say, hey, this is all about the fun and not about being a little responsible. I'm, I'm more curious, like, should I stop wobbling? Should I stop screaming the Mother, <laughs> son of I, I, I Honestly, there's some legitimacy to maybe keeping your wobblers in check if you're on certain places. I mean. Okay. I'll, I'll stop now. I'm cold turkey yeah that was it that was what we (laughs) needed so um you know and and there's like because we've touched on it in previous podcasts but i mean you said we've talked about varying crags closing down reopening or making issues but kind of in general and and if if you if you're traveling from out of town it's a easy thing to say like okay what are the local ethics there Mm -hmm. try hard to follow the local ethics whatever those happen to be is that posted anywhere like the, the golden ethics of the river. There now, are some. We, we have rules of the property. They're yeah. on our website. Mm-hmm. You should read them. You should know them. They're, they're part of our waiver. Everybody should be signing a waiver if you're going to access our land. Otherwise, you're technically trespassing. Or any of the crags, except for the yeah. Forest Service. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, all of them waiver. now have waivers. Yeah. yeah, let's do this because we haven't um, outright, I don't think. But let's just plug the two other big landowners, and that's Muir Valley, and obviously they've got a a waiver and if you're climbing a mirror you should be either donating or paying for parking however that works out and graining fork which um, roadside. En- encompasses roadside you know if you're going to be climbing there you got to be donating too yeah graining fork so anytime you go to roadside you have to go to graining fork nature reserve and fill out yeah is the zoo included in that no no, no, no. Okay. the zoo is not it's that is not okay but but yeah i mean it's certainly interesting i mean it's it seems so obvious you know but every time i've been to roadside multiple times at Muirfield. I mean, I, I get people that are like, oh yeah, we didn't pay. Oh yeah, we didn't do this. That's a great way to get it closed. Get you, it closed. You mentioned that's yeah. one way. And, exactly. and, and, and they're almost bragging about it. And it's like, listen, Graining Fort lets you pay, donate pay anything. A, a cent if yeah. you want. Um, yeah. There are a few individuals that have come through big time for the coalition. Um, and it, it disturbs me, maybe saddens me a little bit that a few people have to give a lot when a lot of people could give just a Very little, little to make make things work better. I mean, mm-hmm. like you said, Adam, if, if 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 you treated it either a Jeremy a membership or b if you go to a gym, you're gonna spend. I mean, now granted, Rock Quest is on the cheaper side of things usually, but fifteen twenty bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, you you would willingly spend that at a climbing gym. Yeah. Why wouldn't you willingly spend that? where rock climbing is supposed to be, you yep. know, the most beautiful places on earth. So, but like I said, to kind of capstone it all, there is, you know, be responsible of the ethics. Um, if you don't know, as you stop in, stop by Miguel, stop by Rock House somewhere and say like, hey, is there anything I should keep a- be aware of? Yeah. Um, I know like Red River, the coalition has kind of said, but most places, hey, we lower here. Instead of repelling, it's just a little easier to lower about lower and it's safer, less injuries, all that other stuff. Be aware of that kind of thing. But, you know, know where dogs are allowed. Pack your pack your shit out. Don't just yeah. leave a bunch of garbage and then be like, Both oh, it's literally fun. and figuratively. Oh, very figuratively. <laughs> yeah. I mean bring a bring a a shovel if you want to do that, yeah. that kind of thing. Or a wag bag. 
Yeah, definitely. So just be aware of where you are. Leave it better than – I mean the leave, leave no trace is a very – you can literally Google leave no trace and find those principles. But be aware. Be conscientious of the other people. And, uh, you know, again, just just treat it obviously like other people are going to be there. And if you're coming from out of town and you come regularly, um, we've got a new program that we're building out to um, identify and um, – recruit folks to be liaisons for their home t- in their hometown for the for you know for the red for the coalition okay. yeah for the coalition so um you know there's a lot of there's a lot of people that come from chicago indianapolis cincinnati columbus louisville lexington and we're trying to have some folks who can um communicate with their local community about what's going on with the coalition and where we might need some help and so uh if you're interested in getting involved that's one way to to yeah, I forgot about that. You could uh, hold an event at your local climbing gym or at your college gym. You can just put up posters for us uh, announcing Rocktoberfest and JATD. It's amazing the support we get. I mean, we've got, I don't know when it's happening. It's sometime in the next couple of weeks. But West 6 is getting together with AL8 holding a part, a farm party. At West Six Farm. Is that with all the like, mountain biking everything? They Someone just told me about a bunch of the West Six Farm. They just emailed us, said, we're having a party. We're going to give you some of the proceeds. Heck yeah. Like, I think yeah. we forgot to mention AL8, but they've been an amazing partner through all of this. Yeah. And they're local. I mean, they're right there in Winchester. Yeah. They've and, been amazingly synonymous with rock climbing. It's, yeah, I mean, they support forever. rock quests with a lot of stuff. Yep. But they, it's almost funny that we, um, the gym that I worked at down in Nashville the owner grew up in Louisville and he would literally drive to make drive up to Louisville buy a in bulk so he could sell it at the gym before mm-hmm. they and they're now working on their distribution but it's almost like if someone says a 8 it's almost assumed oh you have you have you rock climbed have you yeah. been to the red have you and it's not only the big guys like uh l8 or some of the big companies a lot of the local stores like Roads Rivers Trails just did a fundraiser. Yeah, for that us. was really and cool. Um, Quest Outdoors supports us. J and H Landmark down jeez. in. I mean, so there's a really strong community around. Even the beer beer trailer helps us out sometimes with really? the, the beer awesome. for um, JTD. Really, yeah. that's phenomenal. That's... Shout out to those guys. Yeah. So, I, needless to say, if you want to participate in the and the Red River Gorge Climbers Coalition, now that I got it right, it's very simple. You can go onto the website, rrgcc.org. O-R-G. Yep. And then you can donate monetarily. You can sign up to the, the trail days. You can even volunteer for Rocktoberfest. Please, if you're listening, we're going to get this out before the Rocktoberfest, but participate, donate, do whatever you can, but just realize that when you do play a part in this uh, organization, you are an owner of the land and that you can you can share that gift with other people and just try to encourage your friends to do the same so thank you guys so much for being on the podcast we appreciate it thanks for having me well said